When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan. I'm joined today by Mary Kay Cabot and Scott Patsko, and we are going to continue our discussion about Baker Mayfield demanding a trade in the Browns, uh, saying, no, we're not going to trade you. So that's coming up here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. If you happen to miss our earlier pod, Baker requested the trade right in the middle of the podcast. Mary Kay had to jump off. And so we wanted to kind of circle back and record maybe a little deeper discussion on uh, kind of where the Browns go from here, uh, what it means, all, all of that. So that's why we're doing this part two of the podcast, but go back and listen to that other one because we had some good Deshaun Watson discussion too. Uh, I thought right before Baker decided that he wanted out. All right, so here we go. I won't talk any longer because I've been talking all day. Here is another edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We are back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Podcast part two, our second podcast here on Thursday. Uh, if you haven't listened, go back on your feed and find our original podcast that we were recording uh, earlier where we got interrupted by Baker Mayfield requesting a trade. Mary Kay had to jump off. Uh, Doug, Scott, Ashley, and I reacted to um, to all of that in real time. So now Mary Kay, Scott, and I are back, and we're going to talk through this a little bit. And actually, I got to say, I wasn't sure how different this would be from that initial podcast, but even with just like a few hours of space, Mm -hmm. I think it's given us all an opportunity to clear our heads and kind of get a little bit of a grasp on what was going on. The first question though, I want to ask Mary Kay is like, as soon as you jumped off that pod about 30 seconds or a minute later, you broke that the Browns were not going to accommodate Baker Mayfield's trade request. Mm -hmm. And I guess the question I have is, you know, it's not like they have to trade him tomorrow just because he requested a trade. So why do you think they came out so strongly and said they aren't going to accommodate it? Because they didn't have to necessarily do that either. They, they could have just slow played it. You know what? I think they wanted to send a message right away that he is not going to dictate the narrative, that he is not going to be the one that decides his future, that they, they are in charge. He's under contract to them. They conducted business in the way that a football team does. They had told us and everyone else that they will not shut the door on any opportunity uh, to upgrade the roster at any position. None of us should be surprised about the fact that they did that, uh, obviously, because he wasn't under contract and he was the 27th ranked quarterback last year coming off of his worst season. So I don't think that, um, you know, that any of this should have come as a big surprise to him or anyone else that they, they had an opportunity and they took it. Uh, but, but my key takeaway since that moment where I expressed my little uh, <laughs> surprise <laughs> in the moment, although, I mean, I have been writing for days and days and days that he would probably ask to be traded. And this goes back a long way to even the end of the season when I wrote that if things didn't get better and he didn't like the way things were going, that he would be asked to be traded. So, um, but since that time, I really do believe that they are going to dig in their heels and, and live up to what they're saying, that they are not going to, going to accommodate his trade request. 
I don't think that this is just lip service. They mean business. So Scott, what were your initial thoughts then when the Browns basically said no? Well, when somebody requests a trade, I mean, what they're essentially asking is that my agents go and try to work something out with another team, right? Um, and that doesn't make a lot of sense for the Browns to do that right now. Number one, we don't even know where Deshaun Watson's going uh, yet. So the market's still kind of figuring itself out. Number two, what good does it do the Browns for Baker to go and talk to Indianapolis or Carolina? Because neither of those teams really have anything that are going to help the Browns quarterback situation right now. He's a, he's a valuable negotiating tool in a trade for a quarterback, like say Derek Carr. Um, the Raiders are going to want somebody to play quarterback if they deal Derek Carr and Baker Mayfield could be attractive because he's only got one year left. He's relatively cheap. Um, so allowing Baker to go and kind of work out his own trades, it kind of takes some of the ability to work something themselves out, you know, that's going to help them directly this year. So that's, that's the way I read that. Um, you know, it just doesn't make sense because well, he's not calling the Raiders. <laughs> Baker isn't going to the Raiders and trying to work out a trade. He's going someplace that uh, has a clear opening and has a pretty good team for him to, to plug into. Yeah. So that, that, that's interesting. The, the idea of, you kind of say no, because, Hey, maybe we're going to need you later in, in a deal. Um, whether it's Derek Carr or whether it's someone else who becomes disgruntled, like Doug meant throughout Kyler Murray. Right. I, I mean, I don't know that, Baker would love playing for Cliff Kingsbury again, but <laughs> is that maybe where this could be headed, Mary Kay? Could this be headed to like, we're, we're going to kind of just wait until there's another disgruntled quarterback. If one happens to come on the market between now and I mean, maybe even September. Yes. I think that's something to keep in mind because uh, once again, as we all know, Baker Mayfield is heading into the final year of his contract. Nobody knows exactly how it's going to go next season. And so now they have a little bit of time on their side. There is no sense of urgency to do anything. And uh, they are not going to go try to find a new landing spot or home for him and make everything turn out well and then end up without a quarterback themselves. I think they're looking at it like out of the available options, they believe that he gives them the best chance to win out of anybody they could acquire at this moment. And I think that that is the intent. I think they... Uh, we know they went out and they traded for Amari Cooper. Uh, they will continue to add to the receiver room. And I think they believe that Baker Mayfield will be better next year. He's going to be in a contract year, so he can't go out and not try to play well. He's going to have to uh, put some really good tape out for either himself or his next football team. So I think they think that they'll get the best out of him next, next season and I honestly believe in this moment right now, as we speak, that they do fully expect that he is going to be their quarterback in 2022. So now Baker's options, if he is bound and determined that he's going to get traded, um, is, is there a scenario where this could become almost like a Ben Simmons situation? Now, you know, obviously Ben Simmons, the last time we saw him play in Philadelphia, it wasn't good, but he's been a good player. Um, hey, a former number one pick like Baker, probably more accomplished in the NBA than Baker has been in the NFL, but Baker has had flashes where he's played well. I guess, is there any way that this could turn into a Ben Simmons situation where, okay, we get to OTAs, Baker's not here, Browns still haven't really talked to him, we get to training camp, Baker's not there, 
I still haven't really talked to him. I know there's that mandatory mini camp in there too. Could this turn into a holdout situation, Mary Kay? Is that something Baker would consider? Or is it too early to even speculate about that? Well, I'm, I'm sure that his camp and he has an entourage, a very strong, comprehensive entourage around him the way that Odell Beckham Jr. did. And I think that, um, you know, that they will have some kind of a strategy. But I think in the end, Baker will understand that it will behoove him to try to get in here as soon as he can, get his timing down with Amari Cooper and whoever else they bring in. What if they bring in Garrett Wilson, right? I mean, now this brings back the possibility that they go receiver again in the first round and that they end up with a Garrett Wilson or a Drake London. And then the offense starts to look pretty good. So I think it would behoove him uh, to get on in here as soon as he possibly can. He should be able to start throwing at some time next month, um, try to be here for OTAs and just, you know, like I said, and I plan on writing this when I, uh, when we get done with this podcast, I mean, he does have to follow the Jimmy Garoppolo model. I mean, he's just going to have to go to work and, and do the best he possibly can to be the best version of himself in 2022 and block out all the noise, maybe take some really good advice from people. Maybe he should even talk to somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo about what it takes to, you know, to try to swallow your pride a little bit and still go out and play winning football. I don't know if they have another play in them like that for him to hold out. I don't think it would behoove him to do that. He needs to have a good season. So uh, we, we kind of talked about that after you had to, you know, clock out and start writing uh, on our last podcast. And I think we were all kind of in agreement that we don't see Baker Mayfield throwing another pass for the Browns, but from hearing you talk, you seem to think now that, I mean, those are things that he should do certainly, but Baker Mayfield is a very different person from Jimmy Garoppolo. And he's already kind of given a statement to ESPN where he said, you know, this, it, it's done. You know, it's, this is not a fixable relationship. I, I mean, I still don't see any way that he kind of swallows his pride and comes back and goes through their motions and tries to be the, the best he can be here. I, do you really see that happening? Do you think that's a real possibility? I would be shocked. I actually do see it as a real possibility. And that's why, I mean, in, in our previous podcast, actually, you guys could see, I was getting a little heated with uh, Doug and I were going, we're going at it a little bit because I do think that, um, you know, there is a world in which the Browns are going to say, no, come back, you know, put your head down, go to work, keep your mouth shut and go play some, some football. That's what professionals do. This is a business. Teams are always looking to upgrade at every single position. Right. And there have been other players. And I think I mentioned this on the other pod there, you know, these, these guys have wanted to go out and, and sign some pass rushers and miles is like, no, I don't like that guy. I don't like that guy. You know, and they do it anyways. So, you know, I, I don't think that Baker has a lot of leverage right now. I don't think that there is an enormous market for him out there in the world of trades. Uh, I, I just don't think, you know, I think it's hard coming off of the season that he had 27th with an 83.1 rating, also 21, 27th in QBR. I just don't know that he's got a ton of leverage and, uh, and I think he's going to have no choice but to come back and to play football for the Cleveland Browns and, and to go out there and to overcome this. He's overcome adversity in his life and his career before. And I think he's going to have to do it again. 
And I think that Andrew Barry has demonstrated in the past that just because a player wants out, it doesn't mean they're going to get out on their own terms. Now, this is on a much smaller scale, but David Njoku had asked to be traded a couple of times and Andrew Barry was like, no, not happening. And I think Andrew Barry also has to send a message to sometimes to the rest of the team. Now, it was an entirely different situation with Odell Beckham Jr. with what happened because that undermined their franchise quarterback. And I think they basically chose Baker in that situation and just said, you know, we're we're not going to put our quarterback through this and therefore we'll move Odell out of here. But in this case, I don't see it happening. I think they're serious. And I, I think that unless... Baker has something else up his sleeve that he's going to have to come back here and play some really good Cleveland Browns football. I, I do think Baker could make it ugly if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's a big enough personality that he could make it, you know, I don't, maybe he wouldn't hold out. Maybe he would actually, you know, ironically, the other guy we've been talking about a lot, maybe he would actually do what Deshaun Watson did last year where you're showing up to practice they had Sean Watson playing safety, but you're like, you're inactive every week. You're not, you're not playing, but you're just making sure you're not getting fined and you're, that contract is tolling. Um, I, I suppose he could do something like that. I, I mean, look, I think he's a pretty media savvy guy too. He could, you know, bleak, he, could, he could do sit down and find a nice friendly interview to do, or I think there's ways Baker could do this where he could kind of, try and pull back, maybe not leverage, where he can kind of pull back that narrative into his camp a little bit. I'm not sure. I suppose he could just kind of show up and play. But I do think, Scott, if he wanted to make it ugly or at least make it difficult, I think he's at least got the personality to do that. If not, like, again, he's not like the best quarterback in football making a power play here. But I do think there's some there's some way there that he can make things difficult. I don't see the Browns putting up with him showing up and just going through the motions and then not playing and being, I don't think they would allow that to happen. They wouldn't, I mean, how quickly they got rid of Odell um, when everything kind of came out into the open. I, I just can't see them going through that. Um, And I think it's very plausible that Baker just sits out and says, you know what, you don't want trade. You don't want to trade me. I don't want to be here again. You're either on this train (laughs) or you're not. um, And I'll sit out the year and I'll become a free agent and we'll go from there. That seems more plausible knowing what we know of him. And I understand exactly what you guys are saying. And and first of all, yes, I think Baker and his camp could find a way to make it ugly if they want to. Look what Odell Beckham Jr. and his camp did when they wanted out, right? They came up with something. They had something. And, you know, maybe there's something like that. Maybe, Maybe Baker and his camp will come up with something. They do come up with strategies and they will, they obviously now we know what the agenda is. They want him to be somewhere else. Uh, So maybe they will have something up their sleeve and and try something. I don't know what that would be. Um, But in terms of sitting out, you know, Baker needs to rehabilitate his career. The last tape that we have on Baker Mayfield, the last two times national audiences saw Baker Mayfield were in the green Bay game four interceptions and in the Pittsburgh game, five batted balls and nine sacks. Okay. So he needs to get his career back on track and in a hurry. If he doesn't do that, he risks not being a starting quarterback in the NFL again for a long time. And and that can happen. Guys like 
Marcus Mariota, look, he's not starting right now. I mean, that happens. I mean, you, you have to be good and you have to be showing uh, the NFL that you can handle this job if you want to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. So even though it seems implausible and hard to believe that he could come back here and start again for the Browns, I don't see that he's going to have much of a choice. The only way that I see him not being here and them deciding to trade him is if somebody really good becomes available to them. Let's say that there is a contract impasse between Derek Carr and the Raiders that Derek Carr wants this big, huge blockbuster extension and the Raiders just aren't ready to do that. And they, and he asks to be traded and they give him an opportunity to go seek a trade. That is a world in which I could see something happening. Uh, but short of that, I think right now the Browns play is, nope, we're going to give you $18.86 million and you're going to come and be a good employee. <laughs> I'm just envisioning what that looks like because right now, barring a trade, that does feel like it could be the most likely outcome because Baker does have to kind of earn that next contract wherever it's going to be. But I'm also envisioning like, okay, Baker's got to talk every Wednesday. Baker's got to talk after games. I mean, we knew we knew how Baker sounded this year when he didn't like things. Again, I, that personality and his just willingness to at, at some point throw caution to the wind and say whatever he wants and you know try and get social media behind him, all of that having that brewing under the surface really adds a layer to the potential of him coming back and being the starter and adds a layer of chaos to a team that still wants to go in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because there's nobody else out there, but at some point, Scott, do, do the Browns have to say, look, we're trying to win a Super Bowl. Maybe this distraction just isn't worth it. Maybe it's what? Maybe the distraction isn't worth it. Well, yeah, I think they could have asked themselves that long before this. Um, you know, this again, I, I still would be shocked if he came back and played after all this. Um, it would be quite a personality turn. And I understand him needing to, like, he did not have a good year. He was injured and, and he needs to prove that he can be a good quarterback. Um, I get that. But man, that's, that's a lot of pride to swallow after after everything that's happened yeah and you know what i mean i do feel for him in that uh it's been a very dysfunctional tumultuous career for him here the stability is just now getting underway in cleveland he's only had stability now for two seasons and last season even though it was supposed to be you know part of this the stable era for baker mayfield it wasn't it was crazy last year because of what happened with odell and a few other things. So he's only really had, you know, one calm, non-dramatic uh, season, and that was 2020. And, you know, I do feel for him in that it's it's been nuts. I mean, Freddie, Hugh, Todd, right? I mean, it, it's been it's been really a, a, a tough situation, but. You know, when I look at Derek Carr, he hasn't had it any worse than Derek Carr, right? I mean, think about that. Isn't Derek Carr on his sixth head coach and like maybe I don't his even, career? I don't even, I don't even know. But I mean, this year alone was like 
Yes. Yeah. He lost John Gruden unexpectedly in the middle of the season. Yes. Lose your star wide receiver. It's yeah. I, I mean, complete chaos. Yeah. They had, <laughs> and they had other things. Year. Yeah. And in addition to Henry Ruggs, they had, uh, you know, they had another situation oh, with, yeah, uh, yeah. with, with a player. So, um, so Derek Carr, I think has had as much adversity as Baker Mayfield, but I think he's handled it better. I think he's, I think maturity is an issue in the minds of the Cleveland Browns with Baker Mayfield. But as I said before, in, in our previous, in our, in our pre expletive podcast, um, <laughs> uh, as I said before, you know, you knew what you were getting when you drafted Baker Mayfield. You absolutely knew you, what you were getting. Now that was a different regime. Andrew Barry was part of it though. And he was on board with Baker Mayfield. So we can't absolve him from who Baker Mayfield is. And why did you, you know, why would you be, you know, surprised or whatever about the, the kind of reaction that he has to something like this? Andrew was part of that. They knew what they were getting. In fact, when I looked back and I talked to people and what, you know, about why they drafted Baker Mayfield, one of the reasons why they did was because of that moxie and that cockiness, you know, they felt that they didn't need some, you know, mild mannered quarterback, which may, which might be one of the reasons in addition to accuracy concerns that they thought maybe, maybe Josh Allen wouldn't have been right for them. They wanted somebody that could take the bull by the horns and, you know, plant his flag and do all those things and get this team out of the doldrums and, shake it up and, you know, shotgun some beers and do all that sort of stuff. And um, so you have to take some of the good with the bad. And, you know, this is a little bit of the bad, but, you know, it is a little bit kind of funny to hear anybody talking about, you know, that he needs to be an adult or that he needs to be mature. That's not who he is. So, so I do want to ask that before um, we take a break here and I want to get into like maybe some potential trade scenarios or sort of who, how this alters the Browns offseason plans, but, but you brought it up, Mary Kay. And I do want to ask about yesterday, we're recording this on Thursday. So on Wednesday, you had two things come out. One, maybe not directly related to the Browns. Another felt like it came from the Browns, um, though we don't know who. The first was uh, Jim Donovan goes on local radio and says that, players were concerned and this this isn't the first time we heard it um, mm-hmm. but it's probably the most prominent time that, that people picked up on it he says the players felt like baker weren't happy that he didn't play in that week 18 game basically mm-hmm. uh the other part the other one was chris mortensen going on espn and saying the browns wanted an adult at quarterback that probably didn't feel great when baker heard that stuff but we know baker hears stuff even when he's Mm-hmm. not online we, we know he's going to hear stuff so how much impact do you think that had on this I think he's hearing everything right now you're, you're right I, I think he's hearing everything and I think he's just putting it all into the hopper and sometimes these things take a, on a life of their own and sometimes you just need to like chill out I mean he asked to be traded just hours after they were eliminated from the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes sometimes a little bit of time heals, you know, like just let it go for a little bit, you know, just see what happens over the next couple of days, have a conversation, you know, just try to work through it with communication. Um, so it might, might've been a little bit of a, a knee jerk reaction, but I think that, that his camp was probably, you know, 
planning something like this, but maybe waiting for the right moment. And I think they seized the moment <laughs> to be able to say, hey, look, you abandoned me and you went and, and tried to get Deshaun Watson. So I am totally justified in being able to ask for this trade. But a little bit of time, I think, you know, a little bit of breathing room in between those two things might have been beneficial. Well, I also don't think it should be lost that they request the trade after Watson turns them down. And when you start seeing these national reports of, well, the Browns still think Baker might be their guy. <laughs> that's it, it didn't feel coincidental, Scott. No, but I mean, timing hasn't really been great throughout this whole process, right? I mean, from the letter to all the way through that request, I think, I, I, I don't know, I look... I, I'm going to believe that the Browns decided to move on from Baker long before he decided that he wanted to move on from the Browns. Again, they don't go and pursue Deshaun Watson without the understanding that we're trying to get better at quarterback. And I think if Baker does play, that's, I, I said Case Keen was plan F <laughs> in the scenario. This is like plan F plus, I think. Um, they're, they're, it's not the last time this offseason they're going to try and get a, a better option at quarterback. Yeah, start, starter by default, which is a phrase we've used here a couple times. Okay, let's take a break, and then let's start to talk about the offseason and how this might affect the Browns' approach moving forward. I'm back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast talking about Baker Mayfield uh, requesting a trade for the second time here on a Thursday. Mary Kay, you have done a couple mock drafts. Uh, both of them, I believe, have had Malik Willis at number 13. And we had a Football Insider subscriber ask us in response to one of our texts, does this request increase the likelihood that the Browns could actually take a quarterback at number 13? Do you think uh, that, that maybe it's more realistic today that we could see Malik Willis or someone like that at number 13? Or does this not affect their planning necessarily? You know what? It might not affect their planning necessarily. Uh, I don't think that they, they probably don't think Malik Willis will be there at number 13. I think so many teams, you know, still need quarterbacks or would like to have a developmental quarterback like that, that I think they probably think he'll be gone by then. And I don't know that they would want to trade up to get him, but I did think about that too. I thought, Oh, there's still the draft. <laughs> We've forgotten about the draft. Um, but yeah, that, that could be, you know, that could be something. And if they don't do that, then, you know, maybe they can grab one of these guys in like even in the second round and just have somebody there uh, as their backup plan. So, um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting strategy. I still sort of think that maybe they go receiver at number 13 now and try to try to help Baker Mayfield get through this season as best he possibly can and then come back at it after the season and try to see if they can't come up with a quarterback somehow. But, um, you know, if they supply him with enough talent around him and get him on that field, you know, maybe it works out a little bit better than anybody think it might. I did ask our subscribers in a poll shortly before we came on here uh, who they wanted the Browns quarterback to be uh, next season. And I originally did a poll earlier in the day that included Baker Mayfield in that um, he ended up winning in a landslide by like 53%. Uh, so I made a new one with 
the understand or with the thinking that he would eventually be dealt. So he's not on this poll. So he had a lot of other options. Um, a rookie, by the way, dead last in both polls. <laughs> like they fans do not want a rookie to be the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns in 2022, but Derek Carr um, so far, like 39%, he's got over double uh, the votes of second place, Matt Ryan. So I agree with that. I think that's probably uh, both of those guys are probably your, your two best options. Um, I mean, look, I think Derek Carr really out of anybody they could go get Derek Carr is probably the only guy who's who could be considered more than a short-term solution. I know he's 30, but um, he's played well and you're going to expect him to play well. Garoppolo's the same age, but he's been up and down. So you're not really, I mean, we've compared him a lot to Baker Mayfield uh, getting a rookie Clearly that, especially in this draft, I think you're signaling we're starting over and I don't, I don't think they're there. Um, but any other person on this list, Jim, James Winston, Marcus Mariota, um, those are bridge guys, you know, uh, and you're, you're trying to get to someplace else where there's the draft or a new round of free agency. Um, so I think the, the needle is there and they're gonna have to thread it if they want a guy that's going to be here for, for more than just a year or two, um, uh, but yeah, it's clear that fans aren't really on board with going and getting a rookie and riding that train again. Well, especially because like we've talked about a guy like Malik Lewis might not even be, first of all, like you said, American, he might not even make it to 13 at this point, but mm-hmm. even if he does, he might not, I don't want to start him week one. You got to have somebody there um, who, who can kind of hold that down. And Andrew Barry's not really a guy that's going to have a knee jerk reaction. Like, I don't think Baker requested a trade today and Andrew went into the draft or draft room and just completely reordered his board. I think regardless of what happens, if he really liked Malik Willis and was going to take him 13th, I don't think what Baker said is going to change that. And if he doesn't like Malik Willis at all, and he'd rather take a receiver and end at 13, I think he'll do that too. I, I think, I think he's going to stick to his guns on, on kind of what he wanted to do um, in that regard. And by the way, if Derek Carr does get traded to Cleveland, he has to be a guest on this podcast. He should actually probably just host this podcast. We have <laughs> spoken it into existence. We've been talking about it since I don't even know what the, the Raiders game, maybe even before then. Um, he needs to come on this podcast. Uh, compensation for Baker. If the Browns did decide to trade him, what, what do we think it would be? Would it have to be for another quarterback? What kind of pick would it bring back? What, what do the Browns what's the package the Browns should be looking for if they are kind of sneakily behind the scenes looking for a deal? Ideally, you'd you'd want to make a swap so that you end up with a a starting quarterback. So it would be something that would include, you know, getting back a quarterback if you could, but if not, uh, you know, then I would, I would think that you would hope to get, you know, maybe a couple of second round picks or something like that. Um, again, right now at this moment, he doesn't have a lot of leverage or a great market. So I don't think you can expect to get a first round pick for him. That's just not in the cards at the moment. Yeah. I think ideally he's involved in a swap that brings you back a quarterback. Uh, but yeah, I like a second in a, a mid round pick. I, I don't, I don't know, man. That's, <laughs> that's. It's not going to be a great haul. Let's put it that way. Uh, yeah. And if you're trading for some, like say, let's say Deshaun Watson picks the Falcons and Matt Ryan becomes available. Um, 
I, that's not, I mean, Matt Ryan is making a ton of money mm-hmm. and they're going to have, like, there's a lot of guaranteed money still left. So you might have to like give them Baker and more, like you might only be getting Matt Ryan in that deal. I don't you know. But and it would have to, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if you go to like the Colts or, or the Panthers or something, it's not, you're not going to get a, a great haul in return. Not at all. I, I do wonder too, if it would have to be a team almost like the Lions last year who like, kind of don't care who their quarterback is or don't mind if they bring in a guy that's not very good. It's somebody basically who can afford to take a flyer on Baker and have it not work out. That's why the Colts thing is interesting, but like they're kind of in the same boat as the Browns. They're ready to win. And they, they took a flyer on Carson Wentz and it didn't work. I, I just wonder how much appetite they would have to trade assets for a guy like Baker Mayfield, if they could just go sign a Mariota or a Jameis Winston at least and not have to give up any draft capital or anything like that. I just, I'm trying to think where a good fit would be. You, you know, the Raiders would have to kind of be willing to, to take a swing and be okay with missing out on, on the playoffs. It might be hard to kind of find that perfect home for Baker because we just don't know what he's going to be. You're, it's a lottery ticket. That's what a team would be buying from the rounds, basically. They're going to mm-hmm. take the lottery ticket, take the next season to scratch it off. And if it doesn't win big, then they're going to, they're going to, drop it in the trash and move on to somebody else. And it might be hard to find somebody that wants to take on his, his salary right now, especially unless you knew for sure that he was going to be your starter and nobody, you know, there aren't that many teams uh, that I think would be willing to take that chance. As you mentioned, the Colts are, that's plug and play. You're ready to go. I mean, they got rid of Carson Wentz, who I can't remember what his exact stats were, but he threw a whole lot of touchdown passes and not very many, many interceptions last season. So if you're upgrading, uh, you're not going to upgrade necessarily to a guy that had 17 touchdowns and 13 interceptions last year. Um, so I, I don't know. I think that they, if they would probably be looking for maybe more of a, a Derek Carr type of person, maybe even like Jimmy Garoppolo to the Colts or something. But um, speaking of Jimmy, I at the combine, I did write there that that Jimmy really was not on on their radar. And I'm going to stick to that. I'm going to stick to that. I've been working on that one for a while. I, I do a lot of work on that. And um, I have no evidence that, you know, that he's somebody that would be in there on their radar screen at the moment. So even though we we've heard that we've seen it, I'm, I'm still not prepared to go down that road. Okay. So, so the last thing here, um, and, I, and I texted this out to our subscribers when we were doing the instant reaction, um, I kind of threw out there that just in that moment, it felt like, oh man, same old Browns here. And now, you know, kind of getting away from that, getting off the pod, kind of thinking about it a little bit. I I don't know that I feel that way. Like this is messy, but I don't feel like this is same old Browns because Scott, like you said, Mary Kay, like you've been writing, they've been kind of been trying to do this for a while anyway. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. now it's just all kind of public and out there. And I think that's what makes it feel very same old Browns, but what is each of your confidence level in how Andrew Barry and his, his people and Kevin Stefanski and his coaching staff are, are going to navigate this? I mean, my, my confidence level has been high throughout. I mean, like I said before, I, just because we don't, you know, we don't know the whole story and we don't know what they're doing behind scenes. All we're seeing is this end of it where Baker's making statements and requesting a trade. Um, 
we haven't been given a reason from the team for why they denied that. We only have things from the outside. So yeah, the, the only thing we hear is the one guy over here screaming, right? And that's Baker. So uh, yeah, of course it's going to look, yeah, of course it's going to look messy. Um, But on the inside, again, I don't believe they went into this Deshaun Watson pursuit without plan BC and so on. And they didn't go into it without having a conversation about Baker Mayfield that we've had on these podcasts about how he would react or what it means if this falls through. And like, again, throughout COVID and everything, this is like a, they have contingency plans for contingency plans. So um, I'm confident that uh, that they're on to plan B and just because it's not happening right now, just because Baker Mayfield is publicly unhappy, doesn't, doesn't change any of that. And, you know, I would say that one of my takeaways from this whole thing is uh, if you look at what's happening right now on, on this Cleveland Browns football team, they are still sort of, ushering out the, you know, sort of the John Dorsey picks and players, you know, there, there is an, a cultural change happening, right? Um, you know, these guys are bringing in, you know, Amari Cooper instead of Odell Beckham Jr. Baker Mayfield is from the previous regime. So if you want to talk about the same old Browns, you can't do it. These guys inherited this group of players and they're, they're really working to change the personality and the culture of the team. And, you know, you can see it in guys like Greg Newsome, JOK, you know, just the, the guys that they've been bringing onto the team, Anthony Walker. I mean, these are, you know, good leaders, positive players, upstanding character. And um, so I don't think we can accuse this Cleveland Browns front office or regime of being the same old Browns. They are working through the John Dorsey players right now. And it's going to be, it's going to take a little while to, for them to install their whole package. It's not all here yet. And there's going to, you know, there could be a few more little bumps in the road along the way. Yeah. They, they kind of came in and there was like this two year window of like, all right, we have the, we have this group. We're kind of stuck with some stuff. Let's see what happens, right? They make the playoffs. You know, this last year didn't go as well, obviously. But now this does feel very much like a transition. And that doesn't mean rebuild. They can still go to the playoffs. They can still, if they have the right guy quarterback, they can still go win the Super Bowl. But this does feel like a transition now. I mean, Amari Cooper is basically Nick Chubb at receiver. I mean, they're, they're like the same personalities. So, that, yeah, you, you can definitely see them starting to transition to that. And... And it goes back to that, like, you want an adult quarterback thing. It almost feels like that, that they sort of feel this. Maybe they want the Nick Chubb of quarterbacks, whatever that looks like, which is probably a guy named Matt Ryan if they end up getting somebody like that. Um, but, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of where it feels like, uh, like, like this is going here um, in this one. Okay, I think that was everything I wanted to cover. I thought I had one question, one more question, but I don't remember what it was. So, it obviously, was not, very, uh, not a very important question. Um, I did want to say – the other thing the Browns have working in their favor is the calendar mm-hmm. because it's March. And so Baker could skip OTAs. Doesn't matter. We'll, we'll write about it. We'll ask Kevin about it and we'll move on. He could even, if he wanted to go extreme, he could skip mini camp and get fined. And again, we'd ask Kevin about it, but the calendar is very much in their favor to kind of let this play out. So I will ask you this, Mary Kay, do you think Kevin Stefanski finagles his way to Austin at some point in the next month? 
to go just have like a try to mend fences with Baker. I think he should. I mean, I they yeah, he should do that. Um, absolutely, one hundred percent. I don't know if he actually will do it, but I think he should. I heard on NFL Network that uh, Jimmy Haslam offered to do it, and um, and that Baker wanted no part of that. But I think it's going to become evident, you know, fairly soon that they really mean business here and that they have no plans to trade him. And therefore, you do have to start working together to mend the fences, to patch things up, to overcome the differences that you had last year. So I think it would go a long way uh, for Kevin Stefanski to do that. I hope he does do it. And then the other thing that I think is vitally important is that this year, the Cleveland Browns need to get on the field together for OTAs as much as they possibly can. And we've heard either Kevin or Andrew or both mention it. I think it was Kevin, where he talked about the importance of OTAs this year and getting that team out there practicing together. You're going to have new guys. The offense is going to be overhauled. And so they're going to need Baker to be here. They cannot have him pouting and being off somewhere else in Cabo or something. He, he's got to be here for OTAs and he's got to be throwing the ball to Amari Cooper and Anthony Schwartz is going to be healthy this off season. So he's got to figure out uh, some chemistry with him. And then Garrett Wilson will be here for OTAs. So he's got to get the ball to him and, uh, and he's just got to forget about this. That's just, that would be, uh, that would be my advice to everyone. Could you imagine Baker showing up at mini camp just so he doesn't get fined and miles Garrett having a press conference where he says, you're either on this train or you're not. I think Duke Johnson's <laughs> head would explode. <laughs> and, and Miles is in full, not holding back mode. So, oh yeah, he'd be the guy to say it. Oh my gosh, that would. Be all so I heard, funny. all I heard, Mary Kay, is that the Browns have drafted Garrett Wilson and you've moved OTAs to Cabo. <laughs> yes, that's, that's all I heard. Uh, yes, as, as, as long as we get it. to, as long as we get to cover them there, I'm all for it. <laughs> All right, there we go. Our second podcast here on a Thursday talking about uh, Baker Mayfield requesting a trade. If you missed it, again, go back in that feed and listen to our first pod. We had a little bit of a a Deshaun Watson discussion, and then literally in the middle of the podcast, the tweet happens, Baker Mayfield requests a trade. Uh, Some instant reaction to that. You can hear Mary Kay's instant reaction to that as well, (laughs) uh, which was interesting. And, uh, and then come back and, and check this one out as well. Although you're at the end of this one, so don't come back and check this one out. You've already heard it. All right. So for Mary Kay and Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.